Hi, I'm Dave Westberg, and you're listening to the Billboard Insider Podcast, where I interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by Adomni. Increase your revenue by listing your billboard on Adomni. Today's guest is out-of-home industry investment banker Max Drackman, vice president of Khalil & Company. Max has more than 10 years' experience in out-of-home deal-making. Welcome to the show, Max. Thanks, Dave. Happy to be on. Max, talk about your background and how you got involved in the out-of-home industry. Sure. Going back probably to college, I was at the University of Arizona, and I interned at Khalil & Company and just grew to really like the M&A aspect of, of their business. So I went and saw my advisor and said, hey, let's ramp this thing up, get me out of here early. And I did that, and I, I ramped up my class load. I was working nights, summers, everything. And right in my last semester, which happened to be in the fall of 2008, I got to read about the financial world collapsing and got started. It was the first week of January 2009, right in the rock bottom of the recession. So not, not a good time for M&A overall, but it did you know, allow me to sharpen my tools during a time when you actually had to be perfect to get a deal done. And even then, it, sometimes it wasn't enough. Max, I think there are so many people in business, in the out-of-home business right now, that all they know is up and to the right. And I think it makes us so much more, so much wiser. You know, I've been through two events, the 2009 recession and before that 9-11. I think it makes you so much more seasoned, so much wiser if you've been through at least one event. I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but it creates a seasoning that someone that, for instance, may have just entered the business just doesn't have. Yeah, I, I agree. I hear people talk all the time about, you know, certain scars that they have and, and what they've learned from those scars that made them a better, you know, operator or business manager. Yes. Max, your firm, Khalil, is a large radio, TV, and tower deal maker. How does Out of Home compare with what your firm's been seeing in those other industries? It's a great question. You know, we do have nine brokers that focus on various fields collectively and individually. And it's interesting to see how these mediums have changed over time. I mean, if you look at the current picture, there's been a lot of consolidation in TV and the business model in TV has completely flipped over the last 10 years. It wasn't that long ago where these networks like NBC, CBS used to pay television station owners for carrying their content. Now it's the complete opposite. Now TV station owners actually have to pay the networks for their content and then they go to the cable providers to try to get money from them. So that's a very – hostile is probably not the right word, but it's a very tough business. And you look very closely at your contracts and affiliation agreements to try to get some perspective into your next one, two, three to five years. Max, are we starting to see some weakness? TV revenue was so strong for so long. Are we starting to see some weakness in TV revenue? I don't think weakness – characterizes it properly. I think it's hung in there pretty well, but it just, it does seem like the whole focus of that business is on retrans right now. And they still do very well during the political season. You know, you see spikes on TV revenues in even years. They tend to do very well there. But I think a lot of the revenue decline in traditional media is coming out of print. I think it's, you know, it's the worst kept secret out there that print revenues essentially in free fall. Max, I think I've been seeing a 10 to 15 percent isn't a year, a year decline in newspapers and, and magazines. Uh, both of those sectors are really hurt. 
There's no doubt about it. And there's still a lot of consolidation in that space as well. I think you've seen Gatehouse has been very active. I read something the other day that they're talking about merging with Gannett. So I think folks are modeling that declining revenue base and they're paying multiples you know, in accordance with when they think it's going to get to zero. Mm -hmm. So if they see zero in six years, they're paying two or three times so they can get their investment back and then turn a profit before potentially hitting the bottom. Well, that brings us to radio. What What's your sense about radio and how it compares to out-of-home? Radio is in an interesting point right now. They just had the two largest players get out of bankruptcy. That would be, you know, Cumulus and iHeartMedia. And those two have been in some form of reorganization or bankruptcy for a very long time. So as those two companies enter greener pastures, I think there could be a little bit of buoyancy in that market. Again, it's not a revenue base that's increasing double digits. I mean, it's mostly flat to low single digits. But with the two big players being healthy again, I think there could be some some change in that medium. Mm-hmm. Now, let's discuss out of home. There are three big players in the market, but how in general, what trends are you seeing in the the independent market with respect to out-of-home mergers and acquisitions? Great question. You know, going back to radio and how it compares to outdoor, I think one other factor that we can see when you compare outdoor is you look at outdoor financials over time and you see a lot of compression in a lot of areas in their expenses. For instance, lighting, printing, certain areas like that where they're becoming more efficient, where on the radio side, you've got licensing fees, you've got far more employees. As an example, if you've got a radio group that's got a couple million dollars in revenue, they could have 30 employees. We've sold plenty of outdoor companies with greater revenues with one, two, three, four, or five employees. So it's a much more efficient business. It brings me to the mind uh, also of the comment I've heard before that technology is a friend of out of home almost uniquely among the media businesses. You know, technology creates expense savings. It creates additional revenue by allowing us to take digital screens and generate more revenue by taking instead of putting one client on a board, we put eight. But it also, you pointed out, technology for the out of home business creates expense savings like high-efficiency lights, which allow you to cut three-quarters of the expenses in lighting a billboard. Exactly. And all these advancements in technology, like you look at satellite radio and Pandora and the fragmentation in the audio space, those are serious headwinds that radio is taking head on. When you talk about headwinds in the outdoor space, the only thing that I've heard, and I don't hear it very often, are these autonomous driving vehicles. What's going to happen when it's a driverless car? And from my perspective, as long as that vehicle stays in its current format, it's going to help outdoor. You know, it frees the driver up to look around. Outdoor is getting a lot of good press for driving people to digital. If you've got a laptop on your screen and you see something on a billboard that drives you to the website, that value could go up. Max, I'm fond of telling people that every Sunday morning when I go to church, I get in an autonomous car. My wife drives. And my kids and I are sitting in the car. And every Sunday morning, I look out the window and I see billboards and I'm in an autonomous car. And, you know, I just think of how Out Home thrives in areas with huge transit riding populations. A bus or a subway is an autonomous vehicle. And yet Out Home is vibrant. So I think we're going to look back and say this was a way overestimated threat to Out of Home. 
I think you're right. And I also don't think it's going to happen in most of the United States for decades. I mean, if you go to the Midwest, you know, most of the United States, I could see some penetration in dense urban areas like downtown Chicago, San Francisco, Manhattan, but it's not going to be rolled out in Texas anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Let's stop here to talk about our sponsor. Join the fastest growing out-of-home network alongside over 70,000 digital screens. Adomni easily connects with Watchfire, Formetco, or Dactronics billboards and enables advertisers and agencies to quickly find and buy your unsold billboard space. With Audience IQ technology, advertisers can target consumer profiles such as demographics, behavior, and interests that travel past your billboards. Visit Adomni.com or email sales at Adomni.com to learn more. Mention this billboard in podcast to receive one free year of Adomni's white-labeled booking engine on your website. Well, Max, what are you seeing specifically in the out-of-home deal market? Before I dive in, it's funny listening to the mid-roll ad. That's another thing, you know, where you see expenses compress in outdoor. You also see revenue grow. Yes. All of a sudden, other income is picked up. There's companies like Adomni or Blip or any of these other groups that are just adding revenue to these companies where it's basically found money for them because they didn't have it before and they're selling unsold inventory. So it's been a real boon for them. It's been huge. And back to your question, Dave, what was it again? What are you seeing in the out-of-home M&A market? It's been incredibly strong. Last year was one of our best years ever. We did approximately $250 million worth of outdoor deals. The thing that was very interesting for us is, and, and I've kind of quizzed a few friends about is how many or how much of that volume do you think went to the big three? And most people are pretty shocked when we tell them it was less than $1 million. Wow. So, yeah, if you look at the landscape from that perspective, there's an incredibly healthy independent buyer pool out there. Wow. Scott Wells at Clear Channel Outdoor said at a recent investor conference that they may be more open to tuck-in acquisitions. In the past, in bankruptcy, all of their free cash flow was being, this is my opinion, was being upstream to their parent. But now that they're independent, they may be able to do some more tuck-in acquisitions. What's your take? I think they will. I mean, I think they're going to start throwing their weight around a little bit. We did actually sell them some tuck-in acquisitions or tuck-in assets over the last few years. Hmm. But now that they've got a little bit more freedom, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they came out of the gate swinging. Then you have Lamar, which has been doing, if you look at its public financials, it's been doing 200 to $250 million a year in acquisitions. Do you expect that to continue? It depends on the deal flow. Lamar's not out there spending money just for the sake of it. I think we see them increase their aggression a bit as quality outdoor assets have become available. So as long as the deal flow continues, I think you'll see it. But if it drops off, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Lamar kind of hold on to that capital and wait for something potentially larger or maybe a better time, you know, another time like this year. What about Outfront Media? Outfront has been fairly selective in terms of acquisitions going back 10 years. They're hyper-focused on, on New York and what they're doing with the subway contract. But I'll tell you, I met with several of them at the conference in Las Vegas last week, and I've never seen so much excitement in their eyes. Those guys are, are ready to go right now, so it wouldn't surprise me to see them pick up you know, several acquisitions going forward right now. They've come off a couple out just astoundingly strong financial quarters. Yep. No question. So that leaves the other independents. And I'm, I'm intrigued by your statement that most, the overwhelming amount of the transactions you've done have been independents. 
are the independents, is that really an incredibly vibrant market? It really is. I mean, when you have independents buying other independents, it's almost like the days of old. But it's not just independents. Uh, last year, we probably did 50 million or so in deals where you know, mature businesses and other sectors acquired outdoor assets. You know, we had buyers coming from the tower space. We had buyers coming from print. We did a deal with a radio group to acquire outdoor. It's not just independent outdoor operators, which is an incredibly healthy sector right now. It's people recognizing the value in outdoor and wanting to deploy their capital in a space that they see as safe and viable going forward. I wonder, you know, I've seen some public equity firms have maybe expressed an interest when the industry was growing in low single digits, you know, 3%, 4%. It's hard as a public equity firm to make an investment and get your return and get out in five years, where I wonder if we start to see growth, it was 6% last quarter, if we start to see growth climb from here due to digital billboards and programmatic, if we start to see the private equity firms want to re-enter the business. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, they, they've been fairly active. I mean, we get calls all the time from PE. The issue of late has been in order for a big private equity group to get excited, they're going to need a minimum cash flow amount. And I think on the small end, that's like $10 million. And if you look at that threshold, there can't be more than two dozen outdoor companies out there that have north of $10 million in cash flow. Just a finite group, yeah. Exactly. So that's where it makes it a little difficult for PE, but you still see PE active in, you know, non-traditional. There's been a group that acquired basically a transit company and they've made several acquisitions over the last three years. So we see that fairly often. I think of Google Ventures deal last week to put to lead a 20 million financing for, was it 20 or 35 million for Firefly? Yep. I just read about that as well. Max, what can you say about out-of-home valuations? It's a tricky question for somebody in my shoes to answer for a couple of reasons. My opinion is that it's very difficult to just slap a multiple on outdoor assets today because it's anything but a commodity. I can tell you on that quarter billion in deals we did last year, most of them fell kind of between that 8 and 12 times billboard cash flow threshold. But we did several deals below that. We did a couple deals above it. And it just depends on any number of different factors. In terms of valuation, I think that 8 to 12 is probably a safe range to be in. But just because that's where most deals are trading doesn't mean that's where every deal is going to trade. Would it be fair to say when buyers are looking at assets, their top due diligence focus is the leases, maybe growth opportunities in the market and digital sign potential? I think the hottest item today is market share. Hmm. Buyers aren't interested, for the most part, in somebody that's got a couple of signs on the highway. They want, and it doesn't even have to be a, a top 25 market, but if you've got 20 or 30% market share in any market, you're going to be very attractive. That's the hot button. Of course, you know if you've got low fixed expenses on your leases and they're long-term and or you've done a very good job buying easements, you'll do well. But I think right now, market share is, is the most attractive feature. Hmm. Wow. Max, what are you seeing in the out-of-home debt markets? Dave, that's probably a question that might be better answered by you, but I'll, I'll take a stab at it first. Similar to PE, we get calls from banks all the time wanting to lend on outdoor deals. And oh, by the way, you know they got to have $10 million in cash flow. So that's the major banks out of Manhattan. 
when you get down to kind of the independent level, most of these buyers are dealing with banks that they've had a relationship with for 20 or 30 years. It's been difficult for, you know, your standard bank to be introduced to outdoor and get comfortable with it in a manner of time that won't risk, you know, an operator losing a deal. We've seen some very frustrated operators in that regard. And I think that's where you've carved out a pretty nice niche is you understand the business and you'll move quickly. And because there aren't very many of you guys, you guys tend to do fairly well. Is that correct? Yes. Although I will tell you my my business, lending business, Billboard Loans, is a little bit countercyclical. We tend to, for instance, right now, well, we have seen strong demand for small borrowers wanting to basically develop new locations. And I think in general, it's the independents that are developing the new locations, not so much the big companies. So developing new locations and secondly is converting signs to digital. I see strong demand there. However, I will tell you, Max, that we are a private lender. We are higher priced than the banks. And so in good economic times, such as we have seen the last three years, it is not unusual for clients to be refinancing our debt with bank debt. Now, what happens is in a recession, banks want to see nothing but lines of credit supported by receivables and inventory, and they usually run for the exits, and they kick their out of small out-of-home borrowers out, and that's where we see a strong demand for what we do. It's a little bit counter-cyclical. In good economic times, there are banks that will make small out-of-home loans, but then what they tend to do, many of them, is run for the exits for sign of recession. So it's a little bit counter-cyclical, but that said, we still have strong demand because people want to develop new signs and they want to convert signs to digital because they're feeling pretty optimistic about the economy. Sure. Makes sense. Let's talk about recession. You know, we've been almost 10 years without a recession. Max, doesn't seem like a recession's in the cards immediately, but how does a recession impact the out-of-home industry and the out-of-home deal market? Great question. I think my experience in the last recession was that revenues did drop a bit. It wasn't cataclysmic. It wasn't something that happened right away because most outdoor companies have their share of long-term contracts, which kind of prolong the bite. But I think the next recession is going to be harder on vendors, brokers, investment bankers, things like that. The outdoor companies tend to do okay. You don't see a lot of high leverage in this space. You know, and most outdoor companies, if there's a little bit of a pinch, they'll just kind of pull up their mattress and grab some cash and weather the storm. We were talking about private equity earlier. Those are the guys that are saying, hey, you know, call us during the recession when pricing gets better and we're going to hop in. That just doesn't happen. You know, for the most part, the people that want to sell today, you know, if, if they miss the boat by a couple of years, they'll just hold on a couple more. They're not just going to take a lower multiple theoretically during a recession just because they have to. Most of them have the ability to kind of weather it a little bit and wait till times improve. So as far as deal volume, our deal volume was, you know, less than half during the recession than mm -hmm. it is today. Some years, less than a third. Yes. Um, so our, our deal volume will go down, but I don't think the multiples are going to fall down considerably. I mean, we sold plenty of assets for double-digit multiples of cash flow in you know, 2009, 10, 11, and 12. Wow. I can recall the 2009, the, the bad one, the 2009 recession. I can recall a few opportunities where if you had had capital, I can recall at least a couple where companies got in trouble and they might have been six, seven, eight-figure type deals, oftentimes leveraged, 
where assets could have been bought very, very reasonably. But you're right, a lot of the independent out-of-home companies are very conservative, and their attitude in a recession is, I'm just sitting this one out, I'll wait till revenues rebound and the financing markets come back, and then uh, there'll be a little more liquidity, and then I'll go for sale. Yep, I think that's accurate. Now, Max, you have had an interesting personal development. Talk about that. Yeah, we welcomed our second child to the world about eight weeks ago. We had a son, Carson, and about a week ago, he slept through the night, which was amazing. So <laughs> things, are, things are looking up over at our place. Thanks for asking. That's all for this week. Thanks for appearing on the show, Max. My pleasure. Thanks, Dave. Increase your revenue by listing your billboard on a Domni. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider Podcast by visiting BillboardInsider.com or by subscribing to the Billboard Insider Podcast on iTunes or any of the usual podcast outlets. Our email is BillboardInsider at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a couple weeks.